0: Today's Dave Chang show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever send money abroad? You may not realize it, but when you need to, you should use TransferWise. Don't use a bank or PayPal. That's like going to McDonald's for a salad. They have it, but other people do it better. Instead, use TransferWise. TransferWise always has a great exchange rate and a super low fee, which is probably why they already have over 4 million customers. And their borderless account lets you hold over 40 currencies at once and convert them whenever you like. Test it out for free at TransferWise.com Chang and transferwise.com slash chang or download the app today the day chang show is also brought to you by lisa the lisa mattress is the key to a quality night's sleep with improved pressure relief for all types of sleepers and an enhanced cooling layer it feels like you're floating on air try your lisa mattress risk-free for 100 nights at lisa.com slash Chang. That's le com slash Chang with promo code Chang. Get up to $150 off the Lisa mattress or $225 off the luxury Sapira mattress and free shipping at Lisa.com slash Chang, promo code Chang. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. I have Steve Yoon, the great actor of The Walking Dead, played Glenn. He's in a few other movies, but most recently, he's in this fantastic film called Burning, a film about three young adults in Korea. There's a lot of symbolism and sort of existential ideas and questions that are presented in an absolutely beautiful, stunning film. Highly encourage you guys to go watch it. but. One of the things about Steve Ewan is besides him being a friend and me following his career ever since he was on The Walking Dead was, you know what, there are not that many Asian Americans, let alone Korean Americans on screen, on film, on camera, and he was and has become, whether he's wanted to or not, very much a sort of central figure in like Asian American culture. And One of the things that we spoke about on this pod besides the movie, and we'll go into detail about that, was the responsibility of being sort of this role model to a bunch of people. And I don't know if you can ever be prepared to do something like this. And I'm going to go on a little bit of an explanation here, but he did this movie and there was a lot at stake for him to do this. And it's something that comes with maturity. With the identity of being Korean American or Asian American, I think that there's a lot of listeners out there that can empathize to the struggles of coming from an immigrant background and ultimately having some kind of reckoning or reconciliation with your family, your history, and your background. And the older I get, the more patient I am about how things happen. I'm no longer resentful for my upbringing. For a long time, I I did not enjoy being Korean. I I very much didn't know what I wanted to be, but it's not like it served me so well growing up. And then going to Korea and being made fun of by Koreans and then not being accepted sort of by, you know, white America either. It it really did shape who I am and the kind of food that I cook today. And I've talked about in the past. There's no reason to go too deep into me running away from my Korean heritage but like I see that in the food today, I'm much more comfortable in cooking things that I was sort of embarrassed by in the past and just being comfortable in my own skin. And I feel like Steve is sort of going through this similar process. It was a really interesting for me to see someone else in a completely different field go through some similar obstacles, I would say, learning experiences. This idea of being a representative of a group of people is not something I I thought I'd ever sign up for. I think about what Dave Cho says that, Hey, you know what? If we had to choose someone to represent Koreans or Asian Americans, Dave, you'd be the last person (laughs) that we would have decided on, but you know, you're in this position, so don't fuck it up. And I didn't quite understand that, or I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't really fathom it till I was able to have the honor. I was so lucky to represent, Korean American culture in the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang this year. I think I might have spoken about in the past, but initially when it was offered to me, I was blown away at the opportunity to go to Korea to do cool stuff. I love sports, the Olympics. It's just like was a dream. The fact that cooking provided me this opportunity to do something that I could never have, just never had access to. It was very much a surreal experience, and it was very representative of how I felt about my identity as a Korean American in the sense that I wasn't thinking that I had to represent Korea at all. I was just trying to have a fun time. And then when we started filming there, we filmed some stuff a year before because they wanted to match the weather and the seasons. And so we filmed the year before some of the segments when we went down to see the the women divers in Jeju Island, as amazing as they are, and eating some of the street food and Buddhist cuisine throughout Korea, beautiful, delicious stuff. I began to like think a little bit more that, oh, I'm representing Korea, but I didn't think about it as someone that is also Korean that's had a hard time justifying my own history with being Korean until I'm actually at the Olympics about to go on TV. And I'm not a trained journalist. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And right before I go on, I realize it was with Mike Trico and it's live, and I am petrified because. It's finally dawned on me, as dumb as I am, that, oh my God, that whatever I'm doing, I need to make sure that I do it the best of my abilities because whether Korean people want me to talk about Korean culture, and I'm probably the last person to talk about Korean culture because I know so little about it, it was an overwhelming sense of emotion. And I felt all of this before I went on to speak to Mike Trico. And I think that the first two minutes, I almost had like a brain freeze. I didn't even know what I was doing. Because the producer's like, oh yeah, you're going to talk to like basically 20 million people or I don't know how many hundreds of thousands or millions of people were were watching. And I was like, this might be their first introduction to Korean culture. And I was just overwhelmed with that sense of responsibility. And something that I had shied away from my entire life sort of came full circle. I was like, shit, I got to do this right. Even though whatever's happened in the past it's the past. I have to do the best thing possible. And I took it incredibly seriously. And I began to think that was a lot about how I thought about the food that I cook. There's a lot more Korean things. There's a lot more things that I'm trying to explore. So when Steve, with where he's at in his life, we got pretty emotional when we realized our upbringings, that sense of awareness that whatever you did in your past, however you were raised, It is what it is. And there's nothing you can really do about it, but understand it. You can't fight it. You got to accept it. And I had that realization in Korea for NBC and the Olympics. And I was so proud to represent like Korean culture for NBC. It was something that I still can't believe happened. And I I find it odd that it was me, someone that didn't really fit in with either culture, either America or Korea. So when Steve talks about how he feels about being Korean American and the acceptance of it, particularly with how we were raised. And I was really grateful that Steve came here to talk about it. And I don't know if I've done a good job explaining anything other than, I guess, to summarize, at the age of 41, at the time and place that I am in, as lucky and fortunate I have been and blessed with these opportunities, I realized that I have to be a better role model I have to embrace things that I might not have done before and ultimately know that people are looking at my moves and I need to be the best representation for myself and for anyone else because I can't tell them to follow my lead. That's not what I need them to do. And Steve expresses this a little bit later that just do you. And ultimately, I think the most powerful line in this podcast to think about and to ponder about is this Korean phrase, losing is winning. And I won't unpack that now. I'll let you guys listen to it. But this is my conversation with Steve Yoon. We'll talk about burning and a few other things. Enjoy. What are we going to talk about? Talk about your fucking movie, dude. All right. So you filmed this a while ago. Not that long ago, man.
1: This has been a crazy-ass year. I started filming this movie September of last year. And it hasn't stopped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then you came back because yeah. you're like, hey, I'm back in L.A., finish filming. Yeah. And I felt that was like six months ago. January. Oh, shit. It was like a year. Oh, yeah. my God.
1: But then I went to Cannes. And then we went to all these That's right. You came
0: to the opening of the restaurant. Right. And then you were like, I'm going to chill for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you were going to France. Mm-hmm. And you got a smashing reception. It went well. Yeah. And what was the movie? What's the movie? Oh,
1: uh, I'm in a film called Burning, directed by, in my opinion, the master Lee Chengdong with two other brilliant actors.
0: So, I've gotten to know Steve over the past, like, two, three years. I don't even know. It's weird. Like, you were on the Ugly Delicious show, and then I know that you're doing all this press. I was like, shit, like, maybe we should just get him on the show, and here you are. So, you did a lot of press, like, six months ago, and the movie's coming out nationally.
1: Yeah, so right now it's out uh, in New York and L.A., and then I think next week it's going to expand wider, but depending on how it does in the box office, it could go wide release if
0: people want to watch so it. So we have Steve Yoon as a guest. I got to see the movie. And oh, you did? So, I did. Okay, cool. I got a screening of it, and I remember you coming back, and you were, like, super into this. Mm. And first of all, you were you're like, hey, yeah, it's going to do a movie in Korea. Mm. And I'm like what kind of movie is that? And you're like, oh, it's like based on a short story by Murakami. And and then you mentioned it's going to be all in Korean. I'm like, what? (laughs) That didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I want to reserve my judgment. And I saw it a couple nights ago. And my first thought was, wow, you're Korean. So good. Oh, thanks, man. (laughs) Really? I don't, I was like trying to like listen for, for some notes where you slip. (laughs) It's really good, man. Thanks, man.
1: Thank you. I practiced a lot.
0: It was really fucking good. I was shocked. (laughs) I was really shocked. It it brought
1: me back to my childhood days, you know, speaking only Korean in the house. But thank God the folks sacrificed their understanding of English so I could maintain my Korean. So another win for the immigrant parents.
0: Right. And that was because I know you and I was like, wow, like I was just paying really close attention. I was like, my God, it's unbelievably good. Thanks, man. And that's hard, man. Particularly, it's like almost learning a a new dialect of a language you know already. Mm. Because when I speak Korean, I sound like a dummy. Well, we have like, Korean American style
1: has like, we're almost taught a caricature of our language, unless you have a, like, you're saying it every day. So we're not, we don't have that comfort. So like, when we talk to like an elder, we're like, and like we do like a 90 degree bow or like we're like super like, oh, nice to meet you. But, you know, you go to Korea and people talk like… conversations. Yeah, they're just like, yo, what up? And you, I had to get that caked into my body. How long did you work on that? I was there like a month before and I was just trying to like feel korea in my bones so i just like walked around by myself didn't do much with friends like korean american friends that are normally there that i see i didn't see them
0: when you walk the streets of seoul are
1: people like <gasps> sometimes sometimes because i have like very like american hair i think i feel like i look like i eat mcdonald's or something like that i don't know i don't think so
0: i mean i just got i think they're american- even if they donate them I'm like wow that guy so <laughs> handsome no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they recognize me here and there But it was weird, man. It was a lonely time, I will say that. Was your wife there too? No, she came the last month with our kid, and it was rough. Because you were in this character. I was in the character, which was not fun for my wife. And then also, it was just dead of winter, and this is our first baby, and we don't know what the hell we're doing, Mm. and we're living out of a hotel. So bless her heart, she does not have good memories of this film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like, like don't talk about this film in front of my wife
0: done good <laughs> note to self when, next time we have dinner with the wives yeah. can you elaborate a little bit before we go into the movie just about going in character and why is that so difficult like you read about it but sure it's so hard to relate to because I can't for sure
1: and I agree with you because you're never really cognizant of what it's doing to you until you're done with it and It doesn't manifest like, at least for me, I don't know other people's situations, but it doesn't manifest like, oh, I feel like Ben and I feel like doing these things. It's just more like if you keep repeating actions and if you keep repeating mantras and you keep repeating words and you keep repeating points of view that you've really tried to dig deep and understand this person kind of turn into that person for a minute you know you and it's not like physical it's more just mental and like your energy shifts around you in that way were
0: you anticipating this
1: no i was just kind of like oh this will be really fun to like play this role and then as i was just in such an immersive also like it was an immersive environment it's not like we we're doing things on green screen you know it was like i was in korea i was isolated by myself locked basically away in this Americanized hotel on the top of Namsan. And the only people I saw were cast and crew. And we kind of talked, but we kind of like left us to like play out our parts. Like uh Ain is an incredible actor. I didn't meet him until the characters first met. And, and he's super famous. Yeah, he's like royalty over there. And um, he's also just a great human being. And like Chungza, the actress, she's incredible. We just kind of like try to play out our parts. And I had that experience on Sorry to Bother You too. And that was really cool of just like being around like Lakeith, Tessa, Jermaine and just like bonding in this way that these characters bonded. And then over time, you're like, oh, is this real or is this not real? Like what's going on? And then the movie's done. And then you have to like come back to reality.
0: I I have nothing to compare that to. Maybe (laughs) Maybe like opening a restaurant and being in a bad mood all the time, but I don't know. So, you know, I was like... Super curious about this movie and I wanted you on the pod anyway. Mm. But from what I know of you, you're not someone that like throws praise lightly, especially on the work that you do. And you were super proud of this film when you came back. And I was like, that's not something he's normally gonna say, right? <laughs> it's uh,
1: definitely, yeah, definitely true. I'm I hate myself pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're Korean, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> we got the hog. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And there was that sense of pride of what you had done. And I was like, man, I can't wait to check this out. So the movie, without describing everything, I guess you could read anything on the internet now. But mm. what's it about? Like, what's your character about? Why, why would you have such a hard time getting out of this kind of character? So the
1: film is about the youth. It's about three young people that, kind of find themselves intertwined in each other's lives at a specific moment in their lives. And it all comes to a head. It starts kind of as maybe a love triangle, but quickly morphs into just more of a general mystery of what's going on. But with my character, what was really interesting to dive into was this dude's like very deep into nihilism. You could even argue it might be nihilistic optimism in that way, where he accepts the reality as meaningless And then he chooses meaning, which can be one way to view that character. Or you can just accept it as like he, I guess, acquiesces to nihilism in a way that he accepts the chaos of nature. And he just looks at himself as an agent of nature. And for people to operate in that way, like you're almost a psychopath if you go the wrong direction. Right. right? And that's kind of where I was playing.
0: In one of the clips that are for like the trailers, you're compared to The Great Gatsby, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit more like Merceau in The Stranger, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's
0: so ambiguous. Is yep. this person, does he care or does he not give a fuck? Yep. And I really was struck by that because I'm watching your character and I'm like, yeah, he sort of could yeah, be a yeah, dick. Yeah, yeah. But like. I mean, I could hang with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not a dick, dick. He just is like, I'm telling you with no bullshit what's happening. Yep. And that's to
1: me like really great that you
0: notice the duality
1: of these people that kind of means that I think you have a great understanding of just knowing how to maybe meter your own judgments. But that's kind of the film in and of itself. It, you know, director Lee is has always kind of turned that mirror onto the audience in every work that he's ever done. And this one is talking about the youth in the way that the world as we see it affects the younger generation. And people sometimes walk away from this film like having a judgment on who Ben is. And then maybe sometimes when they watch it for the second time, if they watch it for the second time, the thing I hear a lot is like, I completely misread your character. Mm. Or now that character is in doubt for me. And I think that's just the dualistic nature
0: of humanity. I mean, there's a lot of ambiguity in this movie. Mm. And everything's so intentional. And I really genuinely love this movie. And I highly encourage everyone to watch it. Uh, I don't think it being Korean in subtitles should really... Not in this day and age. It's nothing. (laughs) Um, It's a beautiful movie in and of itself. But I was like sort of struck by just how much nuance and how each situation was sort of set up to let, I guess, the viewer determine, you know what I mean. You could go any direction, mm, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, man, I don't know, you know. I mean, I never like looked at a movie to see it from these angles before, yeah. But because you were in it and like it's in Korean and all these things, I was like, oh, like I get it, cool, I get yeah. it. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I wonder how the audience is going to feel about it because it's not dictated to you, right? Yeah, yeah, of course not. No. It's not choose your own adventure either. No. It's not an either-or proposition. It's it's kind
1: of what Chongzu says in the third act of the film, which he says, the world is a mystery to me. And the world is a mystery. Like, I think we're kind of coming on this interesting time, and I, I don't mean this to say that this is what reality is now, but I've been thinking a lot about this, of just the idea that with the internet— We've all been afforded the ability to know and have knowledge about everything. Like Pandora's box is open. Um, If you want to make an analogy to anything, it could be as simple as like we ate from the fruit. Mm. And now we're expelled from the Garden of Eden. This bubble that we thought we knew all the systems of how things are supposed to work, how things are supposed to be. Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? What's good? What's right? And then you turn it on its head and now that we have this knowledge which was conveniently given to us by an Apple device, you have this uncertainty. You have this unknown. You, you don't know what is right or wrong or good or bad or reality sometimes. And that's terrifying, especially to mostly to the older generation who are like, I thought these systems were in place. And all of a sudden they're not. But then there's a whole nother younger generation that are growing up in complete chaos and, and making their own choices and thriving in their own ways and it's one thing to say like you know you do sometimes meet people that watch this film and maybe they reject it because they're like where is the narrative like why don't you tell me the answer of what is going on but that's not even life like nobody told you what's next we used to but now like there's super no rules so what is next
0: i don't fucking know (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's a incredibly deep movie, really. Sure. And I was like, fuck. Like I was not expecting it to Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. that packed with symbolism. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of metaphysical questions being (laughs) asked, (laughs) right? (laughs) On some basic levels, it's the haves and have nots. Sure. Right. It's Mm -hmm. do you question life or do you not question life? Do you Mm want to grow or not grow? Do you have the privilege to access that? Correct. Yeah, Yeah. And it's done in a way that is not so cut and dry it's you know it's not so stark either right? you have one character that's poor one character that's rich yeah. you have the dmz right there which i think is intentional with korea right mm. there about north and south so i was really shocked at how how dense this movie was and i think it needs multiple views and i think it's one of those kinds of movies upon multiple views your takes gonna change constantly
1: yeah have you seen peppermint candy i have not yo you gotta watch that man you wanna understand Han. That's Han right there. And that's Yi dongs first big film.
0: So talk about Han and the director. For those that don't know, Han. Han is just this feeling of
1: inherited oppression that I feel like Korean people have, of like this heat and this fire in our chest that we express culturally and we express individually to some degree based on whoever's talking but um, Korea's been shit on a lot throughout its history and so there's just this pain that I think festers and we have that chip on our shoulder that you you know I'm an immigrant kid and I never experienced war but why do I have so much rage in my body like why it could be that I'm just an angry person but it also could be generational trauma that gets passed down it could be that it could be whatever it is, it's behavioral trauma that's passed down, it's multitude of things. And so... The defining characteristic of an entire country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But not individual to our just our country. It's just... Ours is called Han and it's manifested culturally specific to us. But I'm sure Irish have their own version of Han.
0: Yeah, I mean, the- I I think there's a... It's like a mixture of unresolved, like, angst and guilt. and mm. It's like, I want retribution and it's building up and... I don't know if I'll ever have the chance to have that reckoning.
1: Yeah. You know what's like that? Well, it was like that? Serbia was like that. When I was in Belgrade, that place has been demolished over and over and over and over again. To the point that they don't even have buildings like fixed. They just have them in rubble still. And throughout their whole history, they've been like demolished. And you see the people in Serbia and you're like, you guys are Korean. <laughs> like, you guys all smoke cigarettes And you all drink super heavy You guys are Korean And it's this climb out of this second world This first world kind of country vibe of it's, it's ascending And Korea is in an interesting place too Because they're coming out of that place They're starting to have the privilege To be able to self-actualize Where I used to wonder what a second world country was And I realized after going to Serbia That a second world country is this country Where everyone smokes cigarettes And everyone drinks huh. heavily and now you go to Korea and people are like trying to quit smoking and trying to quit drinking. And they're now wanting to live longer. Well-being, you know, they got money now. And so now they want to live that life.
0: And to me, when I was thinking about the movie, while there's a lot of contrast that you can make, the one that I thought resonated with me was not something I anticipated, was that the character wasn't rich or poor in terms of Chongsu versus Ben, who you played. Mm who's wealthy right mm-hmm. mysteriously rich i interpret it as one character is swimming in han and the other one is like i don't fucking have it mm. <laughs> you know what i mean like yo that could be total duality of that like sure. ben ben is just like i i, I don't care yeah He's burdened by this shit
1: he had the ability to see his psychiatrist or get help for this or like come to an understanding through the privilege to be like oh yeah like i can transcend this feeling you're totally right
0: And I derived a lot of that from that scene and without talking too much about the movie. But when you're cooking, he's like, I want control of my own destiny. Mm -hmm. I thought you could take a lot from that. Mm -hmm. And Oh, that one kind of hits you specifically. Yeah, right. It's like, I have control over this. Yeah, You know, and that's control over Han.
1: Yeah. Weirdly. yeah. Yeah. How do you redirect this thing to serve you? How do you redirect this heat and anger to serve you as opposed to letting it consume you to the place that it throws you into jail?
0: And the other character is like, I know a couple dishes, but whatever happens, I'm subservient to that Mm. that dish or whoever's making it. It's just what it is.
1: It's sustenance for me.
0: Before we go on, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of the Dave Chang Show is brought to you by Shopify. Starting a business is hard and running a business is even harder. It takes determination and support to push through the ups and downs, the mistakes and experiments. So it's good to know that Shopify, a leading commerce platform and partner to the independent business owners, just opened a space in LA. At Shopify Space in LA, you can actually book an appointment and get one-on-one time with Shopify support and retail consultants. They can also help you to learn, experiment and build on the Shopify platform. It doesn't matter if your business is the start of an idea or well-established sign up for workshops roundtables mentor talks and other events to keep you inspired shopify space is open seven days a week to fit into your busy schedule whether you're a store owner a maker or you sell at the farmer's market shopify wants to make sure that you're never alone on your entrepreneurial journey shopify has moved in to help you move up visit shopify.com slash la to learn more that's shopify.com slash la Today's Dave Chang show is also brought to you by Scoggin. Cultural identity plays a big part of Skagen's Danish-inspired watches and jewelry. Skagen is named after a Danish coastal town and is inspired by the people who live there. The Danish lifestyle focuses on what's meaningful, being part of a community, living purposefully, but also making time for good food, good music, and good company. That whole thing sounds ridiculous if you haven't been to Denmark. I have spent a lot of time there, and that sentence is actually true. No wonder Denmark is known as the happiest place on earth. Skagen connects the dots between culture and design with watches and jewelry that reflect the less is more concept. Skagen offers men's and women watches, jewelry, and even smart watches in a variety of styles. They create styles driven by the guiding principle, good design for better living. Skagen products look right any time of day, anywhere in the world, now or 10 years from now. Because simplicity isn't just beautiful, it's versatile. Scoggins stays true to their heritage and makes every design something special. I have a Scoggin watch. It's fantastic. Visit scoggin.com to get a special discount on your first purchase when you sign up for emails. That's scoggin.com, S-K-A-G-E-N.com. And now, back to the show. Since we're talking about Han, I thought it was such a nice way, not a nice way, it was a... I think a powerful way to talk about it about Jong Su's dad. Yeah. Right? Like, I was like, oh, I know this dude. Yeah. That's me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you. You know what I mean? Like, the rage. I've put myself in horrible situations because I couldn't quell my own anger. I've taken L's because I can't let down my pride. Instead of just being like, if I just shift my focus here and let that anger Go out, another exit. I could win this, but I refuse because I'm too proud. Mm. That's like, that's when it cripples you, man.
0: Basically, the, the father has anger issues that gets him in trouble. Mm. And, and like, man, like that does summarize so many Korean people, including myself, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the only true emotion, you know? Mm. And then you just sort of feed it, mm-hmm. even though you know you're wrong. It's almost exactly like Incredible Hulk shit. Mm-hmm. You
1: and know? in some ways, like from our generation, it's celebrated to some degree. People are like, they want you to have self control over that thing, but at the same time, like they understand where it comes from. Jungsu's dad lives in Paju, where he has to hear the Daenanbang song every single day. And which what is, is that for the people the, that don't know? Yeah, the North Korean propaganda that they spew across the border.
0: And people may not realize that the DMZ is incredibly close to Seoul.
1: Yep. They could push a button and they can like air missile all of Seoul, like if they wanted to, just like that. And that's the thing is like, if you are that close to the DMZ, that means your family has physically touched war. That maybe your grandmother was taken as a comfort woman. Maybe your father was killed. Maybe you were enslaved. Whatever it was, you have touched war. And the trauma for that, man, like, (laughs) how can you tell someone to, like, cool it?
0: Right. And I I thought it was also interesting because I really got into this movie. I was like, oh, you have the Korean courts laying down judgment. Mm. And it's like, wait, like… He's sort of representative of, like, Korean culture. Mm. I thought the dad, too, in so many ways, even though he's not a huge character, Mm. you know? So, I don't know, man. Like, I am in a weird place because I am the least Korean person that most people have ever met. But you're completely Korean. Oh, my God. I'm (laughs) so goddamn Korean, too, right? (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, it's like a, that,
1: right? It's like this identity thing that you're right. Like you identify with these markers of what Americana is or you're American, but really like you're still a DNA son of this region that has specificities and, you know, you're your own person, but you still have that inherited trauma embedded into your bones.
0: And I wonder, cause I've seen a psychiatrist for many, many years, like how much of my anger is through th- the environment that I grew up in in America with parents that were trying to figure out the immigrant experience versus like stuff that was just sort of like, it's my DNA's fucked. Mm. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because this anger thing in Korea is a real thing.
1: Yeah. Well, there's also other other parts of that that I have to admit, like, I am definitely not the foremost knowledgeable person about this stuff, but of what I view, I think another frustration that comes that maybe perpetuates Han is just the systemized social nature of how people live in Korea. Where the minute you meet somebody, you have to figure out and ask how old they are. Mm. And then you have to speak to them differently. Can
0: you can you explain that? Because the honorific seniority system in Korea is incredibly unique, I think. Yeah,
1: it's so systemized that basically like people don't get fired from jobs you just ride it out till you're retired, and then the next person takes your job. And so it's like, get in line, and everybody will get their turn. But as technology grows, as people are greedier, or whatever it is, people live longer, or things get more expensive, the haves and the have nots start getting wider, the chasm. And so then you're left with this thing where you're like, this salary man was promised that he was going to get a pension as he exits but now they keep raising his retirement age and then the guy behind him is like yo 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 i'm supposed to be able to buy my house right now but why can't i buy my house and then the guy below them he's like i'm trying to get a job right now but there's not even a job open for me what the fuck is going on and then every while all that while that's happening everybody's like respect your elders and it's like what do you mean? What do you mean? Because I feel now like I'm an individual person that's not overtaken by this system because now I'm knowledgeable of how other countries work because I have the internet. And it's like, why do I have to bow down to this system when they're not even trying to take care of us or they're not keeping the system alive in this fair way. Right. And so you people get angry. People look at the Western world. You look at capitalism and it's like, how do I get mine?
0: And when I was in Korea for the theirs. Olympics last year, I was struck by two things because I hadn't been in about five years and really spent time in the cities. How tall everyone is now. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, man. Like that Western diet is a real real thing. Yep. <laughs> people look like genetically engineered almost. Yep. Right. It's money. It's money time.
1: And like, that's the thing too, right? Is like, sometimes we pretend as if America and Korea are completely separate beasts, but it's like, they're very similar. Christianity and capitalism have definitely permeated throughout Korea, just as it has in the States. And I feel like sometimes the only real difference between the two nations is definitely like the embedded inherent culture, sure. And the flavors and things in in that regard. But then there's also like America pretends as if there is no system that we're all free to make it in this free place that everyone has an equal opportunity when we all know that's not true and in Korea they're all just aware of the system and they're like okay that's the game then let's play the game it's almost the same it's just a different view different lens
0: yet Korea still not doesn't have like the idea of an American dream that through hard work I can get anything I want right because
1: there's so many gates to pass it's set up of what you need to do. Like, when you're a kid, you're like, you got to go to Hagwon after school every single day, which is like after school programs that some kids, I remember growing up and my cousins would go to school when I'd visit at 5 a.m. as fucking middle schoolers, 5 a.m. and then come back home at 9 p.m. That's insane. That's insane.
0: Week. till so They should come home at 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's the shit my dad would say. Really? 9? We, we went to school,
1: like, dragging our feet at, like, 7.30 and came home at 2.45 and then slept with, like, pizza bagels.
0: But having spent time there, I feel like the Korean education system is very similar to the Japanese education system. Mm-hmm. And I feel that there is a giant dearth of creativity of, of people that actually have knowledge. Of the world, because from baby to college, you're not learning anything. You're learning how to take a test.
1: Mm, In Korea? Yeah. Mm.
0: And Japan.
1: Mm. I will say that Asia teaches more abstract systems than actual knowledge. I mean, like, they teach knowledge, but it's less rote memorization.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they're teaching you how to critically think and to memorize but it's a very different way than the Western education. Well, Western education is just straight
1: up like, here's some facts. Like, memorize it so that you can get these, like, multiple choice answers correct.
0: But they're studying for one fucking exam. Right, right, Their right. Their entire right, childhood right, right. is one fucking exam. Right. And if you fuck that up. But how is it different than the SAT or ACT? I guess, I don't know. I you feel know. like there's still room for people. Obviously, I'm not saying our education system in america is fucking excellent <laughs> yeah. but i think that there's more room for you to like study things that are not necessarily yes. mainstream yes it's okay. yes it's not that it's encouraged yes. but like if you want to fall by the wayside yeah. you can yeah it's hard for me to describe
1: right I-, I know what you're saying i i mean you're right like the stigma is not there here of like oh you want to just like go learn a trade Go learn a trade. Like, that's cool. That's actually smart. Or here, you're like, hey, I don't feel like this, so I'm going to learn, like, film. And like, okay, that's cool. And you can do that in Korea, but, like, you got to pick it early.
0: Yeah, and and you see that in the character in the movie. Like, Mm. I'm going to be a writer now. Mm. And people are like, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just be a writer now. You have to debut. Yeah.
1: You have to be debuted. That's the thing that's too. Like, you have to, like, have your work published in order for you to even call yourself a writer. Whereas America would be like... I wrote a couple blog posts. I'm a writer. Right. And like, okay. And you can that's pursue cool. that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. As much as you want. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about my time in Korea last year was just how much more plastic it is. I think that's starting to go away. But I feel Not like. Not like plastic. I mean, like plastic and the artificialness of it all. It's just like, it's so transactional. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's interesting
1: is like, that's the top layer of Korea. But. In getting to work with some incredible
0: artists, I got to see like the deep layers. And where is this coming from? This like crazy artistic like- It's all there. It's, It's coming out.
1: Yeah, it's all there. That's why I'm so excited for Korea's potential future of the younger generation is like, yeah, are a lot of the younger generation maybe buying into the commercialism that is like definitely in the forefront of Korea, for sure. But that's like true of any nation at this point. But then there's these- underground people that are doing some really dope shit and I feel like Korea soon will become one of the if not already like one of the
0: places that you go to for culture and this is what's interesting like uh, and I want to sort of suss this out on the creative side of music of film or even TV right like there's something about Korean culture that it just is better than, say, Mm. Japan.
1: Right now. For right now. Yeah,
0: right at this moment, yeah. But, like, the Japanese, like, uh, someone, I won't say who, but someone prominent in Korea basically told me, Koreans still don't have the style of the Japanese. They're trying to buy the style. They try to buy the brands. Mm. And the Japanese, they try to create Mm. the style Mm. and create that Mm. zeitgeist. Mm. And that, to me, still this very different thing going on right now. Because I spent a lot of time, I've spent a lot of time in Japan. I have this weird love-hate thing with mm-hmm. Japan because of my mm-hmm. grandfather and, and mm-hmm. such. But Korea to me is just like, I can't put my finger on it because it should be a little bit more like Japan, but... You can't with all that trauma, dude.
1: Like That's the thing, right? It's like, it's Han. It's Han that makes us interesting. Because Japan... They're the colonizers. They're at the top of the food chain in that regard, in, in history as we know it. And so they have that ability to be self-actualized to that place. Like you go to Japan, like everything runs smooth, man. Like everybody's in line. Like the trains are on time. People are chilling. People are courteous and nice. And like you're just like trying to get to your thing. And like people. is way nicer now. Korea's way nicer now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. cray nice way nicer now. But also like you see nations like people are nice to me. Right. Well, so I mean, like You're random, also- random
0: strangers. Like when I would live there in ninety-five, mm. they would be go ball, you yeah, basically yeah, just yeah, yelling yeah, at yeah, me yeah, like yeah. you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I'm like, what did I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why
1: do you hate me so much? <laughs> <laughs> but ninety-five was also over twenty years ago, man. Yeah, I'm fucking old. It's not means you're old. It just means like shit changed and like yeah. generations got big. Like if it's over twenty five years old, that means who you're running into on the street used to be a zero year old and now is a grown ass person buying. Yeah, that
0: means it. I'm old. But, <laughs> but it's fine. Like you know, that was a weird summer because I went to I did that Yonsei thing that a lot of Korean kids yeah. do. And I mean, we had this conversation before. I'll never forget. Like that year, there were so many riots. Oh yeah, you don't see, dude. You don't, see it, dude. You don't in- see it. If you and, went to and, Yonsei
1: in the, in the mid-90s, like, that must have been It gnarly. was like, yeah. Because if you went into, to Yonsei in the mid-90s, I had just immigrated seven years before that. Wow. So you went like right after Korea like pop popped off.
0: It was nuts because there's no freedom of press in Korea still, right? Like in the sense that like, you can't talk poorly about your government and then have that like, this is before the internet. You sure, were watching yeah. TV and there were no newscasts about the thousands of students protesting mm. god knows what mm. and like Molotov cocktails being thrown mm. Mm. <laughs> tear gas Dude, this even, was on the
1: regular even music like remember Hoteji came out around then and that was there's this video I saw and I didn't know about this cuz I was too young to really process it but like before Hotteji which was Korea's first like hip hop group before him it was like propaganda music yeah it was just like folk hymns and after he came up with like long hair, like these crazy like costumes and doing all that stuff, it blew people's brains open. And then we
0: have K-pop now. K-pop. I don't I don't even know how to talk about that right now. <laughs> man, but like Korea was a very different place then. And and um, man, I remember that one time, I guess a Yonsei student at a protest to the South Korean government crossed the border. And they wouldn't bring them back ooh, at a protest. Ooh. And it was like that was like the craziest riot. Whoa. And you could watch this from the top of the buildings. It was like think like the scenes of Braveheart yeah. with the kids. And I was like, my God, like if this is happening in America, there'd be like helicopters covering mm, this, mm. the whole nine, but mm. it just never happened. Yeah. And I don't even understand what was being protested, quite frankly, because there was no internet to who you're gonna like get information from. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just was like, wow, this is a this is a completely different country that Although I'm Korean, I don't know anything about.
1: And that's the truth. That's the truth is we don't know. And that's a big lesson that I learned this time around was the thing that happens with a lot of Western Koreans that have touched the West or are from the West. A lot of times what I do see is kind of this inability to really fully respect that country because we're free here. We're not embedded in that system of social hierarchy. And so when we go over there, we're just like, yeah, like, oh, I hate when they tell me that I have to like do this or do that. And like, why do you like, I remember all of our generation, Korean American generation complaints was like, oh, I hate it. All these doting parents telling me what to do or like comparing me to other people or like telling me I have to be this, this, this. And we would like hate it. But there's a deeper understanding of like why people are that way, why the trauma has made people in that way or how deep we have to understand like our parents something crazy happened to me during the course of this film where we before we went to Cannes I liked this photo of this director that I was working with who posted a picture of himself in a Karate Kid uniform as a kid on Instagram and it was like before I was sleeping and I just double tapped it I woke up in the morning to like chaos from my representatives in Korea being like yo the press is like swarming around this story that you like this picture of this kid wearing a Japanese rising sun flag. And I was like, what? And so I look at the photo again I'm like, oh, shit. But I never consciously would do that. And the thing is, is like I know, I have the knowledge, I have the information that the Japanese rising sun flag is the equivalent of a Nazi swastika to East Asia. I know that. But my initial response was I was like, what the fuck is the big deal? Like, Mm. it's just a, I liked something on Instagram. I wasn't paying attention. And so I posted this apology, which was, I'm aware of the atrocities of our history and all that stuff. And like, I'm aware of what these symbols mean. So I would never condone this. And then below it, like an asshole, I also wrote, isn't it crazy to think that just a simple thumb swipe or a double click can completely call your character into question. I wish we wouldn't use the internet to represent ourselves fully. And the problem with that is like, if you're going to apologize about something, don't like add an excuse. I haven't learned that yet. <laughs> yeah. But but like, it was this double war between me being like, dude, I don't know this stuff. I'm not inundated with this knowledge. Like, I know this knowledge, but I'm not like, Sussing out Japanese rising flags everywhere I am because that's not a thing over here and then also like it's the internet like what is this but then there was this other thing which was like if you hurt anybody like if you actually hurt somebody by maybe suggesting that you're condoning this you would apologize. So it was two separate right. things happening, which was, I was like, I feel validated because the internet's attacking me, which is like weird. And then there's this other thing that like, I genuinely might've hurt somebody. And so I had to come to this ego letdown of being like, let down your ego for this part of the argument that sure, you might be justified that the internet is still this weird place that we don't know how to properly navigate. And then you might've offended somebody. And so what my dad said to me, he was just like, which is like, you need to know Korea deeper. And then my wife, who's super wise, was just like, in Korea, so like losing is winning. And like, I didn't really understand that. I was like, oh, do I have to like just say I lost to do it? And then talking to him, talking to my really close friends, and like just like really getting to understand what was happening, I realized I was like, if I had done that next to a woman who had felt the trauma of the Japanese occupation, and I double clicked that thing. I would have, at the least, would have been like, Oh my God, like, I don't condole it. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that if you thought that way. Full stop. And so then I had to be like, Oh, I, that's what I have to apologize for. And I apologized to the Korean press at Cannes. And this reporter who's really kind to me, she was just like, before I apologize, she said, In Korea, we're quick to anger, but we're also quick to forgiveness. And that's kind of our mediocre, That's kind of our charisma of Korea. And she said that and I started apologizing. And I started weeping, dude. Because I'm even like getting teary-eyed to yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, man. Because it's like you see your dad like over the country of Korea. And you're like, oh my God, I don't know my dad. Hmm. Like he knows things that I don't even know.
0: Intensity, sorry. No, but like, man. It is yeah, it's a lot. I'm thinking about the same shit, you know? For it's what makes me give pause to all the times I'm mad at my father. Mm, Cause he didn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. We
1: don't know. We just don't know each other. And like that's a trauma that we have to live with and deal with moving forward, which is that like we don't get direct one-to-one communication with our folks because of the language barrier and because of cultural differences. And for me to grow up and now have a kid, like, I understand, like, all that pain that I put my dad and mom through to be like, you don't get me like I'm an American. And like, well, that's true. Like, I don't get them. Mm. And this trip was like super fucking important for me because I was like, oh, man, like, even if I don't know, now at least I give them the space to be like, I don't know. And that was huge, huge for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm still unpacking lessons. And my wife was right, like,
0: losing is winning, dude. <laughs> and, and it's something I think about a lot, particularly in my life. Losing is winning is going to be hard for people to unpack.
1: Yeah, of
0: course. I don't know if many people might understand that notion.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I can try to explain it from my experience. The moment I saw my father, I realized that what I gained from apologizing there was I cracked my ego and I broke it so that it would have space to make room to understand someone else. And then that person now is absorbed into my body. And now I am bigger and wider and deeper and more knowledgeable and more compassionate and more empathetic because of it, which just makes me better, period. Mm. And that's where losing is winning. And it doesn't mean to say like, eat shit all day so that, like, you think you might win. It's just to say, like, people got different shit. People going through their own shit. And if you can, like, take a break from just trying to protect yourself and your own ego to allow another person to be like, hey, man, you hurt me too. And you'd be like, let me unpack that and Mm -hmm. understand how I hurt you. Because how you hurt me is not contingent on how I hurt you. Those are two separate things. Both parties can unpack that for each other. But if I can work on how I hurt you, that only makes me more knowledgeable, just a better human being.
0: Let's take another quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's Day Chang show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash Chang. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast, no more sorting through the wrong resumes, no more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from the hiring sites of Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive address, ziprecruiter.com ziprecruiter.com/chang, Chang. That's ziprecruiter.com Chang. C-H-A-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com Chang. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now back to the show. I didn't expect to go like this deep into stuff, <laughs> yeah. but like, it's funny is like what we're just talking about, I feel comes full circle to the movie itself. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of like David Foster Wallace type stuff. Where you never know what's going on with someone. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing you can do is either intervene, mm-hmm. right? And it's almost like altering the course of the future by intervening mm. and casting your judgment and opining on something you actually know nothing about, yeah. right? And maybe the best thing you can do is lose. And I think oftentimes for me, I can't speak on behalf of anyone else. Losing means gathering more data, yep. talking to more people, listening. Listening. Yeah. Don't say something at all. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, th- talk about a thing that we're in
1: the fucking middle of right now. This is the most divided we've ever had this country be. And. It's delineated amongst multiple facets, whether it's white and black or male and female or Democrat and Republican, like whatever the fuck it is, generations. And I get it. Like people are in the angry mode of this process and they're just trying to yell out like why they're hurt. And I understand that. But also there's space to just be like, all right, let me just hear you out. Like what is going on? Because me getting hurt from... One person, but also subsequently dealing that different hurt back to them, isn't a one way street that you're exchanging two hurts. It's two separate streets. Like, I hurt you this way, and then you hurt me this way. You can process both separately instead of it being like, well, these are two things that are together. Like, they have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. Me hurting you has nothing to do with you hurting me. Like, that's just two things you gotta unpack now. And if you can unpack that for yourself
0: and understand the other person on how you hurt them, you're better human. Yeah. I mean, I was saying this last night to Chris Yang and a few others that oftentimes I feel like making a decision is like a it's like Star Wars shit. Everything to me is like Star Wars. It's are you going to give in to your base emotions of rage, mm-hmm. of throwing stones, right? Of jealousy, all these things, or are you going to be patient and you're going to let these emotions go through first mm-hmm. until you have some perspective? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. We're in a time and place right now where it's hard to be pragmatic. Yeah. Which sort of leads me to the next thing with where you're at in your life, right? The movie's out. I hope it's a smashing success because even if you don't give a shit about Korean culture, which I believe this movie is quite a lot about mm. in the current state of affairs almost, <laughs> um, it's a fantastic acting performance. Oh, thanks, it's man. an amazing direct. The director, mm-hmm. the cinematography. It's all unbelievable. I hope you win a lot of awards, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: we'll see what happens. But
0: it's that's how strongly I feel about it. But how did you prepare for you being in this position now where you're sort of this like icon figure where if you do something at all, it has massive repercussions. How do you deal with that? I mean, you're just you're just Steve.
1: Yeah, <laughs> dude, I am just Steve. Like I wish people I know that sometimes a microphone gets directed in my direction and whether that's valid or not, I'm just a human. That's flawed. That's massively
0: flawed. But but people are looking for you for, they want your opinion on stuff now because there's so few Asian American actors that have the soapbox that you do, right? So, I mean, for so many people, you're Glenn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're someone that people, even though they don't know you, even though that you were playing a character, like... They associate sure you, all that. You goodness. feel that same, same pressure in Yeah, some and ways. I yeah. fucking hate it.
1: Yeah. Because the reality is that— But I,
0: I have to do it.
1: Yeah. But also, the, the thing that I do want to put out there is that, like, sure, like, this is how our system works in our society, which is that we oftentimes need someone to point a beacon— towards to be like this is the direction that you're supposed to go but i feel like the thing that i'm starting to realize more and more is just like everybody got their own path and yes there's some like wisdoms that we can pass down based on things that we go through or understand but my journey is completely different than yours Mm. and my journey is completely different than any listener listening to this and for them to think that i'm supposed to point them in some direction is honestly like foolish on everyone's part because I only know how to live my life right now. And all I'm trying to do is just be a good human being and try to be better. I just want to be better. And if my example can encourage people to be better, that's great. But I should definitely not be looked at as like, Take the steps that Steven did in order for you to succeed because, like, who th- I fucking lucky, dude. I'm, you know how lucky I am? <laughs> like, for this film to roll up in my life is pure luck. I was in London tossing and turning, fretting about like what I was gonna do next. I was like, I'm off this show and I did a couple movies, but like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm so scared and I'm worried and I have a kid on the way. Like, what the fuck do I do? And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call out of the blue from director Bong being like, director Lee wants to work with you. And then now I'm in this film. That's insane. And that's sort of how you got
0: the job for Walking Dead too. Yeah, dude, It's insane. (laughs)
1: Like, I walked into an audition I was supposed to book this other thing and I didn't book it but if I would've booked it I would've never done Walking Dead and then so I walked into Walking Dead and all of a sudden it just turned into the show like I'm very blessed so do not look to me as like some road mark or like roadmap of success like I'm straight up just lucky as fuck.
0: I empathize in very different scenarios but I feel the same way. Yeah. Like I have a hard time understanding anything that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. I really do. All I know is I've worked my fucking ass off. Yes. And that's produced some luck. Yes. But for the most part, I always think of that movie Inside and Davis mm. by the Cohen brothers. And I love it tremendously because it's very humbling. It's like mm. you could have made a right turn mm-hmm. and that changed everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, like how fortunate I am. But still, I, I really wrestle with, and I know that you've been wrestling with this too the past <laughs> year of the visibility and outreach the power of outreach that you have, right? And I don't know if either of us have the answer. I know that whatever we're saying right now is not going to be where we wind up like 10 years from now.
1: For sure. I mean, we're idiots at best right now. And later, 10 years down the line, we'll think we know it. And then it turns out we're idiots there too. Like, I've just come to accept that I'm a fucking idiot. And like, (laughs) that's what I mean about getting better is just, you know, even being married and then having a child the type of ego death that you have to really navigate was for me someone who was a nice person and like didn't do bad things was really hard for me cuz i was like i'm a good person why do i have to change my reality to meet other people's reality i have always looked out for others or so i thought and so you realize that like you're still living in your myopic egotistical life and as you grow, the wisdom of growing up is just to like let down your shit for a mm-hmm. second and like understand other people. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs>
0: That's it. Yeah, and I think it's also at least I'm sure others could relate to this. I have a remarkable capacity to convince myself of anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> like we're we're all Yeah, no I've known that feeling. I'm a psychopath in my head for
0: sure. <laughs> so, I mean, We had dinner, like, a couple months ago or three months ago, and and, uh, you're in a really, like, calm place. Mm -hmm. The most calm I've seen you since I've (laughs) known you. You're, like, it's, like, almost the zen-like state of, like, I'm not worried. I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm in the moment, Mm -hmm. and I had love my wife, Mm -hmm. my baby, and, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy things.
1: Yeah. But that also comes with the knowledge that every day is a struggle. And that every day will turn up or down on a whim, and I'm still not good because some days I'll still freak out. Like when you met me was probably just a dope day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. I those are the things that I really do believe in. But like you might have just met me on a great day because it was just hanging out. You know, getting to see homies that I haven't seen in a while. So I was like, oh, cool, man. Like that's cool. But I will say the thing that has happened since whatever has been going on in my life, even getting to work with Director Lee is seeing a man who's in his mid-60s. Like, you know that this person is doing the work in their head of really just trying to get wider and deeper as a person. Because he made a film about the youth without telling them who they were, but rather being like, I understand you. Mm. And I empathize with you. And I'm going to leave space for you to realize this vision of this film he wasn't like directing us he wasn't like this is what you're supposed to do he was just like you're the character show me what it is to the other actors like you guys are the character show me what it is i'll just guide a story here because i have some knowledge and for someone to do that type of work for someone that to know the pain that i'm sure he's known in his life and to be able to be as calm and chill and like measured as he is that's a grace that i hope to attain like those are those ajashis that, like, clasp their hands behind their back and, like, wear a driving hat and driving moccasins and they just fucking walk up the hill. And they're, like, they're chilling, <laughs> watching trees and birds. You know what I mean? And I want to walk down just a random, like, hike and just be like, <sighs> I'm present. Full stop. Huh. But that's hard, dude, it's because hard. we live in Los Angeles. <laughs> and, like, you got to, like, have your gate open when you push the button or if you don't, you freak out or like you have to like navigate traffic and like you realize that you can only do three things at most a day and you know, it's a fucking journey but I don't know,
0: like people do it. And how do you feel about all this resurgence of Asian American popularity with all the films like whether it's uh, Searching with John Cho and Crazy Mm -hmm. Rich Asians, all super positive. Yeah. But like, I feel like we might feel in this like similar in the sense of like, mm. I want to be known for excellence, not mm. just for this. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you realize that like we're hammering
1: on a lot of different issues at the same time. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people that like want it things to be like Oscar worthy or like award driven or these things. But the thing that I've kind of learned from working with Director Lee is just like there's a process to life. And whatever the fuck happens is whatever the fuck happens. And for us to get into our ego to be like, this is good or this is bad or this is right or this is wrong. Honestly, is just like, as long as it's serving the overall process, like, what can you do? Mm. It's not yours. So just do you. And, and you know, You Do You has quickly morphed into just worry about yourself and only take care of yourself and don't care about other people and just do what you want to do, which is the literal antithesis of You Do You. You Do You just means like only look at your plate. Like your plate is your plate. Why are you looking at other people's shit? And that's another thing that I've been unpacking of just like with Asian Americans right now, I understand that feeling of like competition and jealousy and like feeling like why that person and not me or why this person and not them or like we need some measure of like what's supposed to be right or wrong or good or bad but that's also the trap that we put ourselves in and they want us in in some ways these systems that if they want to control us they want us to think that there's only two slots for us and everyone's got to vie and beat each other up for those two slots that's a fucking trap dude i'm not competing with you I'm not competing with John. I'm not competing with, with anyone. I'm not. I'm competing with me. Like,
0: well, I, I was actually bummed because I was I auditioned for the character of Ben. In the
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, but dude, like, I'll fucking roast you. No, no. I, like that's the thing that I really realized was I was just like, why are we made to compete with each other when we're human beings that are like completely different from each other? Like, you and I are nowhere near the same person. The only thing that we have is, like, cultural similarities and maybe the Han. Yeah. But, like, beyond that, dude, like, you're your own person and I'm not you. But for some reason, there's competition. And that's fucking bullshit. And that's the thing I'm just like, cool, man. Like, I'm trying to play that game. So
0: do you want to be the face of this Asian American movement or are you just like, fuck this?
1: It's not fuck this because, like, I can't change my face. And I also know what society needs to change—the systems that we have in place. Which is like, you know, the systems are the issue. The systems are the issue that, like, they don't give the space for Asian Americans but to Steve, thrive. You're, to be the
0: you person. are going to be the role model, seriously, whether you want it or not, for so many Asian men and women. Right, like that we did not have growing up. You are on the most popular show on cable for many years and a beloved character. And if you read all the Walking Dead shit, they're like, it's not been the same since Glenn left, mm. right? Like, I grew up, I didn't have that. I had Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, that, was, that was it. Mm-hmm. And now you have you. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know what that means, right, for a younger generation that has someone they can actually look up to.
1: Again, like, I realize how our society works and that it, does call upon singular individuals sometimes to lead an entire charge of something. I'm aware of that. But what it does for me personally is, I think personally, it makes me, it forces me to keep me on my toes to just be better. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I have that stroke of luck to have like a fire under my ass to like constantly be better is like the best. That means I can't be complacent. That's cool. Like, that's how I want it to be. And now I have a real thing to make me do that. But then beyond that, if if I am anything, I just want to be an example. That it's like, carve your own path. Like, there is no right or wrong. There's no way. Just whatever you're doing.
0: I think there is a wrong way when you decide not to do what you want to do.
1: Exactly. And if I'm an example of anything, that's what it is, which is like, I didn't conform to the systems of like what I was supposed to be, which was doctor, lawyer, whatever. I didn't like reject authority by being like parents, you don't know anything. What what, what what made
0: you reject all that to be like, you know what, I'm going to act. And actually I'm really funny, so I might just do some comedy stuff too. Because I sucked at the other shit. Like, I took a bio class, and I fucking
1: sucked. Like, only thing I was good at was, dude, I took the LSATs, the MCATs, and I applied for Teach for America. And when I took the MCATs, I don't even know what my score is because it was probably horrible. And then the LSATs, I only did well in the game section because I like logic and reasoning, which is just nerd shit. And then Teach for America was, like, my last, like, Hail Mary to be like, can I have a job after I graduate? And I remember I got to the last interview and the interviewer was like, it was like almost a lock for me to do that program. And then they're like, is there anything that would preclude you from finishing your tour of duty of like three years doing this thing? And I was like, and I was just joking. And I was like, I don't know, maybe if I like, became an actor or something like that. I was literally joking. And she marked a mark on that thing. And then I didn't get it. And then I was like, okay, cool. My only choice then is to like, go try this thing.
0: I also applied for Teach for America. Yeah of, course. Yes. yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> We're Teach for America
0: rejects, man. <laughs> so like, just do you, I guess, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the moral of the story today. I mean,
1: follow your omens in your life. Like be open to these things. You know what it is? It's the rejection
0: of fear. You hear that Isaac the producer? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you got your two bro- older brothers here. You better fucking listen. <laughs> okay, okay. Just reject your fear. And but it's
1: fucking terrifying. I remember when I was like, "Oh, I'm going to move to Chicago." I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" But I will say, I think a thing that we might share is we have slight psychosis where we don't Slight? F- I got massive. <laughs> sure, my ass is psychosis <laughs> where like we don't fully assess the situation. Before we get into it. And we just go. This is what I want to do. Head dive into it. And then in hindsight. You're like. Whoa. That was insane. What I just did. Right? Story of my life. Yeah. I feel you on that. (laughs) Like imagine getting a phone call. From one of the greatest directors. Of all time. In Korea. Who speaks only in Korean. And does really grounded. Humanity based films. In Korea. That require you to speak perfect Korean. And he goes. I want you to be in my film. And. I had a slight bit of hesitation where I was like, I got to prepare myself to be like, I can't do what you need me to do. But then as soon as I met him, I was like, I got this. I just (laughs) said, yes. And then I'm here. And that's the thing is that like in that moment, for some reason, I like didn't process the fear of that moment. But afterwards, after I looked back, I was like, whoa, if I would have like really like charted out my pros and cons, I would have been like, I probably shouldn't do this because I might be bad. And luckily, I didn't listen to my
0: pragmatic brain because... What if that is actually pragmatism? You were not listening to your <laughs> yeah, rational no. Yeah, brain. that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Very true. So what's next on the horizon? Besides trying to become a chill Um <laughs> <laughs> looking at the leaves. <laughs> I don't know. I took a break this year
1: to just be with the family. And we'll see what the future brings. I, I wish I could say like, this is what I'm doing, but... I'm just going with it right now. It's scary though. <laughs> it's always scary. <laughs> yeah. But the movie is out. Movie is out right now and it's expanding to wider markets and hopefully people get a shot to see it. I just want people to watch it because I think independent of me, truly independent of me, like I really think that this is a wise director that has really turned a mirror on something that is really poignant and important for our generation right now and if they can watch this and not learn a lesson but just like feel the feelings of this film if they can and if they want to that'd be great so get it however you can
0: well I'm glad that I got to watch the movie it's fantastic thanks, and it definitely moved me in a lot of different ways I did not anticipate and a real pleasure to have you on the podcast thanks, got, we, we got deep cried, we did dude. we yeah, really dude. did fucking our goddamn parents <laughs> <laughs> dude, thanks for having
1: me man this was I was scared about this but now I'm like super of course happy, boss but, yeah thank you buddy thanks